Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast exists because of the paid members at decodingtv.com. If you're enjoying the show, consider becoming a paid member, get ad-free episodes and early access to episodes right over at decodingtv.com. Thanks to everyone at Decoding TV who makes this podcast possible. Who are you protecting? I'm not protecting anybody. It's not like that. So tell me what it is like, huh, Mayhew? You stay the fuck out of there. You understand me? Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Streaming, a Decoding TV podcast. I am David Chen. I'm Patrick Klopping. Each week, This Week in Streaming, we'll cover a show that's new and interesting in the world of streaming. We'll tell you if it's worth watching, and if it is, we'll review and spoil and discuss the entire season of the show. Today, we're going to be discussing the season premiere of The Continental from the world of John Wick. Pretty awkward subtitle. What do you think, Patrick? This is like when, uh, do you remember when Fast and Furious number nine came out? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to call it F9, Mm -hmm. uh, but they didn't want to make you think... It wasn't part of the Fast and Furious franchise, so they called it F9, the Fast Saga. Yes. Uh, this is this is the Fast Saga of the world of John Wick. I right? would, look, um, if you had a machine that let you could be in on any meeting, there are so many things that like, oh, history, like, the, the, the you know, I, I would love to be here when like these people had a conversation, like Einstein, like whoever, like, <laughs> I want to be on the meetings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where they sat down on a whiteboard thinking through like the continental from the world of John Wick. Absolutely. I like, because I just have to know how you arrive at that or that fat, the fast saga. Cause you know, they got a whiteboard, like 15, 20 of them. Mm-hmm, Some of them mm-hmm. have like been vetted by like copyright and like IP, like just the most banal discussions. And yet, Ones that must have taken months to come to a conclusion on. <laughs> I don't know about months, but I could de- definitely days. I think definitely <laughs> days. You know, from the world of John Wick, that's a subtitle you let marinate for a while. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? All right, everyone. T- everyone, take a lunch. Just come back and <laughs> see how we feel about we that We have one. from the universe of John Wick. We have, you know. John a, Wick Presents. <laughs> we have John Wick Presents. We have a John Wick story. Uh, <laughs> John Wick you know? story. <laughs> yeah. But instead, they went with from the world of John Wick. It doesn't exactly roll trippingly off the tongue. Anyway, taking place decades before the events of John Wick, The Continental has three episodes coming out uh, weekly. Uh, This week, next week, the week after. We have seen the first episode. We'll be sharing our overall thoughts and then diving into a spoilery, detailed recap of the show. Of course, we will also be continuing our coverage of Ahsoka on the main podcast feed. And next week, we'll also be covering Gen V here on the podcast, the spinoff of The Boys that's streaming on Prime Video. So a lot to look forward to right here at Decoding TV. Find more episodes of the show at podcast.decodingtv.com. Find us across all platforms, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, at Decoding TV. And email us, decodingtv at gmail.com. Of course, you can support the show if you enjoy what we're doing by becoming a paid member at decodingtv.com. We really appreciate all of our paid members for making this podcast possible. Patrick Klepek, Let's start by talking about our overall thoughts on the John Wick movies. What do you think of these movies? I assume you're a fan. Yeah, they're sick. How could it like? Yeah, the uh, you know, uh, I've I've loved all of them. That you know, from the beginning of just being surprised at like sort of a re- recontextualization of Keanu Reeves as like an actor and uh, and uh, sort of like a force in sort of like fight choreography, not something I necessarily had on my bingo card uh, for for Keanu Reeves, and just it's rare to have a series in which every time you sit down for the new one, you go, I genuinely don't know like what I'm going to watch. Um, uh, and like their, their ability to constantly surprise in spectacle is something I delight in. I think the most recent movie was like one of the, I think the third one was sort of hit or miss, but the most recent one was spectacular. And whether that ends up being the, 
the beginning, like the the end of that franchise or not, given some of what, what happens in there. Like just a, a wonderful series of films that uh, in an era that, you know, we're also watching Ahsoka, right? Like a lot of... <laughs> A lot of totally valid crit- – well, it's funny because the fight choreography is like a real highlight in that show. So it's like yeah. I'm not even going there as much as like we live in an, in an age of visual effects. And I think a huge part of the appeal of John Wick is it feels grounded. You're seeing people doing a thing and not only is what they're doing impressive, but the fact that people are doing the thing is itself yeah. impressive, which is which – is, you know, it's more impressive relative to what exists like in the market, the other kinds of films that are being made and how you feel in that world. And so that's why I, you know, was excited when they announced like, okay, like maybe they want to put the mainline franchise on pause and try these spinoffs because hopefully at least the thing they're going to remember about this is like, it's like people doing things is like, I think core to the appeal of, of John Wick beyond just like Keanu Reeves is sick. Right. Did people go to a place and do a thing? That's kind of my standard for movies these days, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and that's something that John Wick provides. You know, uh, Yes, there's a lot of visual effects in John Wick movies, and the visual effects are very good, so no denying that. But what the John Wick franchise offered was a new way, or not a new way. What the John Wick franchise offered was a fresh way of filming action scenes. Uh, the movies were largely done by you know stunt uh, performers right like the the directors of the first movie were like stunt performers and um they know how hard it is to make good stunts look good and that's one of the disservices that a lot of modern editing has done to stunts is somebody takes a punch in the face or lands hard on the ground for something and the movie doesn't even make it look hard right that's the difficult thing what john wick does is it has like long continuous wide shots it's a lot of John Wick movies in the action scenes. Long, continuous, wide shots. You can see people. You can see it's their faces. You can see it's actually them doing the thing. And it, it was a revelation at the time and unfortunately remains really novel. You know, like, <laughs> yes, yes, there are like other action franchises that have done a good job, largely inspired by John Wick, probably. Um, but John Wick Chapter 4 showed that, you know, even many years later, this is a franchise that can still find ways to surprise you. and. Uh, so I'm a big fan of all the John Wick movies. I think the plot is complete, utter nonsense, ridiculous. But it's fun, right? Like I, it, it often feels like I don't know. If this is how they, I've, I've you know, I've read that they construct the Mission Impossible films, um, like coming up with the set pieces first and then figure out the plotting later. Right? Like, right. How do we? And John Wick feels often the exactly. same way, which is like, totally. what's the cool thing we want to do, and then find a way to contrive the plot in that direction. But like, there's just enough. The Continental is is a cool idea. Again, it's it's don't think about the logic of it too much, but I I don't think the the movies ever demanded that you did. Like it's superficial and just c- cool looking, and like that's that can be enough. Right. And I I think as we'll get into in watching the show, it's like that's what the movie's doing. It's like <laughs> what happens when you expand that into a television show that can't be by design by budget. But like to be 90 minutes of just incredible action, like a lot of people are gonna have to talk to each other and people <laughs> do talk in John Wick, but that's not what you're there for. <laughs> right. I think there was something like in John Wick chapter four, uh, the, the number of words Keanu said was like under some number, uh, like 500 words or whatever. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, let me look that up. Um, he and says you could look, three, you could look he, at that as as like, oh, I guess he's not doing very much. But then you watch the movie and it's like, of course he's like doing a ton in that movie. Keanu Reeves says 384 words. Wow. In John Wick chapter four. Amazing. Which is about how many Amazing. words are spoken in the first like eight minutes of the Continental, right? So mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. uh well, let's let's transition to this show. I mean, I don't think any of our expectations were very high for this show. I think it's like, hey, this is uh it's streaming on peacock which you know no has some good stuff love poker face but it also has twisted metal um and all you know, over the place tonally the peacock who, who i don't know it's no max the one to watch for hbo mm-hmm. yet you know there, there's some good stuff on peacock but it's like and then also it takes place in the universe of john wick which as you said uh a tv show based in the universe of john wick comes with the limitations that you described 
So can this show possibly be any good? I'm going to say I really enjoyed my time with the Continental Episode 1. Uh, it it expands your aperture of looking at this universe without uh, being too looking at things too closely, because if you did, I think it would really quickly fall apart. Uh, but it introduces us to a bunch of new, interesting characters, tries to make us care for those characters in ways that I think are moderately effective. Um, also brings back characters we know from the John Wick universe uh, that we'll talk about momentarily uh, in ways that were surprising to me. And it has some good action. I would say the first episode had, I, I, I think I counted around two and a half good action scenes. Um, now that's not, a John Wick movie has probably like, I'm going to say anywhere between 10 to 20 good action scenes. So you you have a much higher action scene per minute ratio in a John Wick movie, but the action here was clearly inspired by those John Wick movies. And I had a good time and I'm interested to continue and watch all the way. This is a show I'd watch all the way to the end, even if we weren't doing this podcast, Patrick Klepek, what do you think of the first episode of the continental? I don't know who the show is for David. Um, uh, it feels often like a story that then was retrofitted to like, Mm. intersect with the continental mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. intersect with the world of, of john wick because it allows for a lot of really interesting and dramatic like aesthetic flourishes and gives you a, a style for the action but uh you know i i found myself what you know and it's also 90 minutes right like there are three episodes but they're essentially full-length movies like you know yeah. i know that lots of television these days strains the definition of an hour but it's it is clear they are setting up this series to be like three full length, like sit down, like grab your popcorn sort of experiences, Mm -hmm. as opposed to like just watching an an episode of a television show. And so I I just found it like the opening, you know, we'll get into like the individual elements, but like the opening, I think is really strong. I sets a really like has a really interesting fight scene, like with an interesting sort of hook to like how the fight happens. And that sets a really interesting stage for then a whole lot of talking with a whole lot of characters that I was having a lot of trouble just getting invested in. Mm-hmm. I got there reasonably by the end, but it took me a long time to find a reason to care about these characters other than the ways they incidentally yeah, intersect interact with, like, with, the, yeah. with the world of, of the Continental and the wider world of John Wick which it feels like every time that that happens, the show spikes in terms of intensity and interest and my eyes on the screen and the moments in which it's just characters talking to one another about their own problems that don't have anything to do with this hyper-stylized over-the-top world was where I was sort of grasping at, like, what what am I supposed to be invested in here? Yeah. Uh, completely fair, Patrick Klepek. You know what? You know what I realized just now as you're talking about this is, I think I have a different rubric of evaluating something that is from the world of John Wick versus like a regular TV show, because uh, my standards for action are high if it's from the world of John Wick, and my my standards for emotional <laughs> in, emotional investment are low. Right, and. I cared more about mo- like this show made me care more about the characters in the world of John Wick than a- most of the John Wick movies. But there's a character death that actually means something by yes. the end of the first episode. Yeah, there's characters I actually care about. So I'm like, oh wow, we're introducing actual emotional stakes into the world of John Wick, right? And right, that- which is what John Wick had at the start, right? Like part yeah, of yeah, yeah. John Wick, John Wick Chapter One. Yes, I would argue, I would agree with you. Like, hey, his relationship with his dead wife and his dead dog. Yes, those are those are meaningful, you know, Um, but uh, for for the rest of the show, for the rest of the movies, I would say it was very difficult for me to care about any of the actual relationships. Oh, John Wick had this relationship with this woman, this uh, Santino from John Wick Chapter Two, and he he did a thing for him. And then now he needs to kill his sister or whatever. You know, like all the character development for uh, John Wick happens off. Everyone is exactly it's all everyone is like, oh, John, like. Back in the day, yeah. It's back like, in the with day, no you flashbacks, did no yeah. context. It's just yeah. we have to buy it on faith alone. Like he's done a bunch of shit for a lot of people, which is why he has friends that can conveniently help him all over the place. Uh, exactly. Whereas exactly. here, characters like by the nature of like what you're going to be able to accomplish in the scope <laughs> of the show, like 
this show lives or dies on the characters meaning at least something because because whereas they, they they can't just be connective tissue between scenes like it is in john wick which is which is you know like i think overstated like it's fun like john wick is fun to watch the characters bounce off each other like there is a lot of fun to be had but like it's very minimal and it's mostly just stitching together the action scenes and getting you from point a to point b that just can't happen especially when they made the decision to make them 90 minutes right like it's another thing if it's like hey 40 minutes these right. are 30 minute like Walker Texas Ranger style, you know, whatever, but Right, like no, <laughs> these are like longer, like much more involved from a storytelling perspective and so like there there just has to be more going on. It just feels like at least in that first episode it struggles to find its identity there and by the end I can see a path where maybe this makes a little like I have like proper motivations for all of the characters like the, the the way the 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 intercontinental and these characters are are going to intersect now make perfect sense as opposed to being incidental uh and so the opportunities for episodes two and three to do more meaningful things with that um are, are certainly there other than the fact that I, I greatly worry that episodes two and three are going to mean i'm see a lot more of mel gibson which is just like a thing that hangs over the show in a way that feels yeah. broadly unnecessary but let's we can talk, we can let's get talk into about that. that momentarily i mean I want to say that yeah, I agree with everything you said. Like if this show makes me care about characters in the job like universe in a way that most of the movies never did. And I think that's notable. And it also has action that is comparable. I think in terms of quality, it doesn't have as much action, but also we haven't seen episodes two and three as we're recording this yet. So maybe action three, like episode three is nonstop action and you're going to eat your freaking words, Patrick and be like, <laughs> well, I'd wow, also rather I was... they, 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 like hold like the bullets in the chamber, right? Like the scenes when they right. do have action, I think are noteworthy and have like long takes, have yeah. interesting like setups for the characters to interact with. Even the one that's like a chase scene, like the way they're cutting between like cutting to black doesn't feel like they're being cheap. It's just like a cool camera trick. Like, for, yeah. like it just, I, I think they're, they deploy that stuff smart and it's just, it is not clear to me yet would this show be better experienced by the average person by just seeing the highlight reel of the action scenes right, on YouTube? Right. And but, I just but, I can't say that definitively one way or the other yet. Maybe we'll get to the end and be like, oh wow, it's a really good thing they spent episode one having everyone talk to each other for a long time. Right. You know? Right. Because now we actually care about it. Who knows? Who knows? But at the beginning right now, Patrick is a little bit cooler on it than me. Uh, I really enjoyed it and we'll see where it goes. It could end up somewhere amazing, or it could just be meh, we'll see. Um, but I'm excited, and I think episode one has enough cool stuff in it that it's worth checking out. Um, so those are our overall thoughts on The Continental episode one. And I do want to mention that we will be continuing to cover The Continental in some form. Uh, we're still trying to figure it out. We'll, we'll definitely be covering the finale. We may also cover the second episode as well. So stay tuned for that. Podcast.decodingtv.com is where you can uh, get episodes and subscribe and make sure you're getting the updates on what we're doing right here on this podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. All right, Patrick Klepek, let's talk about what actually happens in the episode. Uh, so we open in the 1950s in the Continental episode one. New York City, two brothers, Winston and Frankie Scott, in police custody. The oldest, Frankie, tells his younger brother, Winston, that he didn't do anything. Frankie will take the fall for whatever happened. Years later, it's the 70s, and we catch up with Frankie at the Continental, a location in the John Wick movies that serves as a hotel for assassins. 
Frankie runs into Cormac, played by Mel Gibson, who runs the Continental during this era and reveals he brought Frankie under his wing at a young age. Soon after, Frankie leaves the hotel, only to return through a secret underground passage to steal a mysterious box. A very John Wick-esque fight ensues involving guns, fists, and a metal box uh, in a staircase as Frankie escapes. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in our overall thoughts, but this was awesome. Like, this is oh. just a great sequence overall like the staircase and the long continuous shots and the you know close range headshots and everything like that this is classic john wick i thought what do you think patrick lepic i i agree uh i think the novelty of the the big box is used to great effect where every mm. time that box is it's not just swung but sometimes it's thrown like it is just used as an interesting like it's a set piece in and of itself like a subset piece in like the set the broader set piece of the of the staircase and it's just a combination of the choreography the cinematography and and frankly like the sound design like just makes that thing every time it collides just like it hurts and it just makes for like a really Mm -hmm. interesting way like a vision interesting visual for what is otherwise something we have seen many many times before not just in john wick but just in action films like gotta get up a staircase like there's some guys like how's that gonna play out there's a little bit of um like you're trained through the john wick films to understand john wick style of combat um Mm -hmm. when i first meet uh frankie i don't know that i'm like ah like this guy i mean he's a little burly like he 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 is a little different but like the way his like kind of his hands are moving around feels almost well, that's just how fighting in John Wick looks like it's a house style as opposed to something that I ne- necessarily buy as like this, like Vietnam War vet. Like this, this is how he fight. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't fit the character as much. You're as saying he to- didn't learn how to do gun kata in Vietnam? That's a, yeah, like that. Like it looks <laughs> cool. And again, it's John Wick. If you door a look cool, door two makes sense. Like go, go through the look cool and I can buy it. But it is one of those things that I think uh, hits a little heavier in a television show where I just know more about this character and they're like their backstory. We're like, you don't feel this in the beginning because you don't know actually the backstory of this character and, and that like they were, you know, in the war. But uh, again, it's fine. It was just one, but like, it's a cool ass scene. And like that, that can be enough because that like, it sets a great tone. Like it's a cool yes. um, heist. Like it's an, like, why is he going to the subway? Like, like it, right, right. All why, of that. Why, why does he need to use the subway? And like the hook, like catches on and rips the thing out. It's, well, it's like, a great subversion of all yeah. our expectations. Of yeah. you've seen the John Wick films, like the Continental is a fortress. Like mm-hmm. things don't happen to it. And so, like the novel way that he kind of gets in there and like pulls something out of there is it's it's cool and kind of plays with yeah. your expectations. I don't know. I mean, I'm just gonna put this out there, Patrick, for. Uh, a place that's theoretically an impregnable fortress. We've sure seen a lot of killing happen at the Continentals. It's true. At, at various Continentals mm-hmm. um, throughout the John Wick movies and in the show. But I agree with you. It sets an amazing tone for the show. I was like, hey, I'm having my doubt. You know, like, is this show going to be good? Who knows? Watch this scene. I'm like, holy shit. I'm definitely in for at least the rest of the episode. You know, like, yeah. I am signed up for this. So anyway. Uh, elsewhere in London... Uh, an older Winston is swindling money from some rich folks over lunch, but later his partner in crime seemingly rats him out as he's kidnapped and brought to New York. Uh, back at the continent, which by the way, also an ama- amazing scene when he's like captured and taken to New York. Yeah. I, I love that. Like where it's like one of the things that John Wick likes to do is, hey, everyone you know is an assassin. Like everyone you <laughs> see around you is an assassin, right? And so it's like the maid is an assassin. Mm-hmm. The doorman is an assassin. You know, like the homeless guy is an assassin. The unhoused person is an assassin. Like, um and you know this show really traffics on that idea as well well and also it's a shot that could just be and frequently when you see like a kidnapping in a show it's or a movie it's like oh just like hood over the head yeah hood over the head to black and i you know like part of the john wickness is that like no like turn it into something elaborate well how do you turn this into something elaborate and I, i think they find a novel way to to do it here it's like a good setup with like learning more about winston as a character and then this doesn't strike you as somebody who is uh like you know knows a fighting style and yet just kind of flails their way around escaping all these assassins is is a good moment and and we should point out like winston seems to be the main character in 
uh, the Continental, which is like not, I don't think something that was widely known. Maybe mm-hmm. it was, but like, uh, that's, you know, I'm very skeptical of prequel shows and like in general, I think. Cause prequel that's stories... the character who Ian McShane then plays yes. in, uh, the, the mainline films, right? Yeah. I'm very skeptical because a lot of the times it's like, Hey, this is how the character got the jacket. Here's how they got the lightsaber, you know? And, uh, but it does seem so far as though this is going to be really different than, a sort of generic prequel story. It does seem also, like, hey, also, I think yeah. it's helped by the fact that like, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, like about like, Ian McShane's backstory, right? Like, right. He, and so like, like no do one, whatever no one you cares, want with it. No one cares about the iconography of the <laughs> yeah. Ian McShane character <laughs> yeah. in the John Wick movies, right? So yeah. it does, I feel like, like, it, you know, hopefully where this show goes is like understanding, like this is so opposite of Star Wars where you're like stuck in a rigid structure of mm-hmm. fan expectation. You know, you can look at, the, the the mythology of John Wick, as I think you you put it somewhere, is like a mile wide and an inch deep, and that yeah. could be a bad thing, or it can be a canvas to like do hey do whatever you want. It's not like the audience is sitting here going, well I've I've thought real long and hard about where Winston Winston's came backstory, from. <laughs> right? Exactly. Well, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that. Okay, so this is one of the topics that I've written down in the show notes, which is I think the world of the John Wick movies is pretty ridiculous, and Listening to the directors talk about it, at least for the first few movies. Like, I think mm-hmm. later on, it just became all about the action. And the, it feels like by John Wick Chapter 4, they accept, hey, this is just a vehicle for delivering amazing action scenes. And as evidenced by the fact that Keanu Reeves speaks fewer than 400 words in the, in the movie, right? Like, And so I think by the end, they like they came to terms with what the the movies actually are. But earlier on, the movies really felt up their own ass. In a bad yeah. way, in my yeah. opinion. Um, the Ringer has a great piece about it uh, called The Currency System in John Wick is a Mess. This was in 2019. Uh, now, it, ultimately, the, the thrust of the piece is that it's actually illuminating about how ridiculous our real-life currency system is. But he, it begins by saying, here are all the things that were purchased for the same price in John Wick or John Wick <laughs> Chapter 2. Okay? Two nights in an assassins-only hotel in New York City. The cover charge at a speakeasy inside that hotel. Having an assassin friend watch over another assassin, currently unconscious, who just tried to kill you. One night in an assassin's only hotel in Rome. Two cocktails, plus tip, presumably. Removal of one dead body. <laughs> a bespoke bulletproof suit. Anyway, those are a bunch of... It's like... It's like the idea is like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if uh, you could... They had these coins, and you paid for everything using a coin. And... Everything feels optimized around things looking cool. But mm-hmm. if you actually sit and think about it for longer than like 10 seconds, it doesn't make any sense. Um, now, uh, that, that's always been one of my complaints with the John Wick movies. Is like, how does this system of coins work? And how does this, like, are there really a thousand people staying at the Japanese Tokyo Continental Hotel? Like, are there really that many assassins? Like, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. You know, anyway. Um, but what I like about the show is... As you said, yes, it, it, it uses that world, but it doesn't like depend on it. It doesn't like, you know, and also, yes, the, the coin press is a part of the, the main plot is like, how, how are we going to get this coin press back? Um, but I don't feel like the show is really enamored of the world. Like, hey, wouldn't it be mm-hmm. cool if we had, a, you know, it's like it, it realizes that it needs to earn your investment. And that's one thing I appreciate about this show. Again, compared to John Wick, what do you think, Patrick Klepik? What do you think about the world of John Wick? Am I being unfair? No, no, I'm, I'm with you. And I think like part of what the the movies recognized as they went along was like, hey, let's do character development through the action scenes, right? Like a lot of the storytelling that occurs in John Wick as it goes forward is like built into these action scenes themselves. And like, what is the like the physical and mental state of of John Wick as you know depicted by Keanu Reeves and like you're right here that that can't happen as much um and and it does seem like the trap the show could have gone down and it hasn't so far in this episode is expo- like is ex- like it's so easy to like okay well what we'll fill ourselves with is explaining what happens in the movies right like right, we just right. we're talking about that like right. there's so much yeah. interesting overlap with like in Ahsoka, which I'm not going to spoil, but like it is a show that is clearly designed to help explain some, narrative some gaps, of the things, some of the things that happen some of the things that yeah. like lead up to a movie like The Force Awakens, right? And so yes, yes, that would be 
I'm sure in some ways that's like the genesis of why the show exists at all is like, wow, like that's John Wick's popular. Like, let's tell some stories there. And naturally, it's so easy to want to be able to say, well, let's explain how X, Y and Z happened. And like the thrust of the films is like, who cares? That's the conclusion they they draw, like they end up on. And here it's still sort of who cares, even though I think there is definitely like a greater weight given to a lot of the stuff that that's happening, but it's not necessarily weight in terms of like a person going, why are these damn coins so important? And yet they do introduce a character that we'll get to the cop that like might be the character that is like doing some of this exposition. Right, in episodes right. two and three. I have fears that like yeah, there's a, yeah. a character in the show that is going to, going to be like, aha, like this is why things are here at the continent. Right, right, right. But, but you're, you're right, Patrick here, here, you know, I know you weren't too hot on this episode, but like, Imagine how bad the show could have been, which is like, mm-hmm. and here's how the Continental was built. And like right. years ago, a society of assassins, but you know, like it could have done that. Uh, but it's not, it's like, Hey, we're going to start, we're going to use it as a jumping off point and try to tell our own interesting story. And Hey, maybe that story is not that interesting. You know, we can discuss, but um, largely I think uh, I appreciate the, the, what it's trying to do. Okay. Uh, anyway, we are uh, briefly introduced to KD and Mayhew. Two New York City cops, uh, before cutting to a standoff between two groups about a business deal gone bad, Katie and Mayhew were scoping out the deal, leading Katie to follow one of the buyers back to the Continental. After attempting to enter the Continental, Mayhew picks up Katie and warns her to stay away from the Continental at all costs. But she eventually enters the Continental, observing the weirdness of the place, including the use of important coins and the fact that every single person seems to have a gun on hand. As she exits, she's observed by a younger version of Sharon, played in the movies by Lance Reddick. Uh, this is the only plot line of the <laughs> what? What? <laughs> no, I'm I'm laugh I'm laughing in agreement with you on I don't know where this plot line is going. Yeah, this is the only kind of subplot. I was like, what is the purpose of any of this? You know, what's why are we introduced to these characters? By the uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, we'll see what the Katie and Mayhew where the Katie and Mayhew storyline is going. We we definitely needed to be introduced to them having somewhat graphic sex, though. That was very yeah. critical to that <laughs> character building. Yeah, I mean, it's like the like the John Wood films are insiders fighting insiders, right? And like the television show is outsiders kind of like interacting with insiders. And like mm-hmm. like there is right, right. potentially like that the line that, you know, Mayhew has about like, hey, like we don't fuck with that place. Like, <laughs> like you know, that, that that those are some of my worries of like, oh boy, that sounds like exposition town. Um, uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm worried that the cops are like the subplot that mm. is explaining how things work in the continental. Cause they seem to be intersecting so deeply with the hotel itself. And so Patrick, uh, I, I just want a scene where Mayhew explains mm-hmm. what the continental uh, continental is to, to anyone uh, literally ever <laughs> and, and watch that person lose their mind at how ridiculous it is. <laughs> like if you actually tried to convey that to someone. But there's a society of assassins. They're all connected, and they have this hotel that they all stay in. And by the way, you can't do any business in the hotel. Uh, you know, actually, that's another thing. If anything, the Continental is one of the safest places that that Katie could go to. Anyway, all right. Anyway, um, so uh, Winston meets up with Uncle Charlie, a family friend who looked out for him when he was a kid, hoping to find a lead on Frankie, who's apparently running guns. In the aftermath of the gun deal gone bad, we're introduced to tensions between Lou and Miles. Miles has been working with Frankie to run guns with his old war pals. Winston shows up to Lou and Miles' home base in a dojo, revealing he's looking for Frankie. Apparently, Miles hasn't heard from Frankie in a while. Meanwhile, a man who worked with Frankie is getting the shit beat out of him by an enormous man, while a mask-wearing woman named the Adjudicator watches and extracts information. Winston tracks down Frankie, who's hiding out with his wife, Yen, and reveals he stole the coin maker for a rival group, just as the Continental's goon shows up, they seek a chance to escape through Uncle Charlie while Cormac enlists assassin twins named Hansel and Gretel. In heading towards a helicopter that's supposed to help them escape, an extremely cool chase sequence unfolds before they fight their way to the rooftops of the city. Frankie ultimately sacrifices himself to save Yen and Winston, with the assassin twins quickly shooting him down. No longer interested in leaving New York, Winston seeks help and guns, lots of guns, from Miles and Luke. <laughs> All right, so a, a few things to talk about here. First of all, as you indicate in, in your summary, uh, the chase scene I thought was really interesting because I was thinking to myself, okay, we had an awesome action scene at the beginning. It's been about an hour, <laughs> and there's not been another action scene yet. 
I'm waiting for another action scene to happen. Then the chasing happens, and I was expecting it to be a cool chasing. Uh, but and it was a cool chasing, I thought. But it wasn't like a long, drawn out, no cuts chasing. It was like they use this real, like cutting and fade outs or whatever to I thought really artistic effect and also I assume saving them budget as well. What well, do you think of that car chasing? We we watched Twisted Metal together, right? And like that's also yeah. a show in which. Uh, you know, some of the highlights uh, are like the vehicular combat, like the, the chase yes. scenes and, you know, a difference between that show and this show is like Twisted Metal doesn't really cut away. Like it's like, it's a whole sequence. It's like following what's happening in these vehicles. till it reaches its, its narrative conclusion. And here seemed like they constructed a scene where like, okay, if we were in a John Wick movie, this would be a sick 15 minute mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. We're not. How do we, still get like some really cool shots, some really dramatic action while also not exposing. Cause often what happens if it's easy to imagine how they could have shot that and like kept all the um, interstitial stuff between those scenes, but it would probably expose like a bunch yeah. of shoddy CG. Yeah. It would expose a bunch of green screens. Like what, what, what I think was brilliant about the way they constructed that and is I think actually a moment of like limitations working to the advantage yeah, of yeah. what you're trying to accomplish is is like rather than doing something you can't or making it look mediocre and taking you out of the scene, it like finds a way narratively and in editing and aesthetically to convey all that and get the cool shots uh, and, and still keep moving things along. Like it, it worked. It was a really surprise. I have not seen. Right. Yeah a like chase scene shot and edited that way before. And even if that comes out of the construction of limitations, I thought it was like super effective and like fun because every time you cut to black, you knew you were coming up on something cool. Yeah. And that was yeah. just, it, it kind of made it exciting as you were going from one little bit to the, to the next and was a sort of amounted to like a, a different version of a montage. Yeah. Really cool. It's like, I haven't, Maybe I've seen a chasing like that before, but I can't recall. So it's like this is a that was a really cool way to do a chasing, you know. So really nicely done. Uh, there's also a big action scene. Uh, you know, one of the things I enjoy about the John Wick movies, Patrick Klepek, is uh, the cast of characters. There's like a, a big, colorful cast of characters of different body types and sizes, all of whom can kick ass. And that's no different in the Continental. And there's a great action scene with Yen in the at the end of this uh, episode where she's trying to kill a guy while not disturbing a baby. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, uh, and that's just an awesome scene. So Yen was a real standout for me. Any standouts for you? Any like people in this first episode that you're like, oh, that person's really cool, or I'm looking forward to seeing more of that person. That, that no, that the, the Yen scene uh, with the baby was was a highlight for me as well, specifically because one of my favorite parts about the John Wick films is all right. What's the gimmick? Like, what's the what's the what's the one here? Uh, like, mm-hmm. oh, this one. It's I mean, it's nunchucks. Why he can put the nunchucks down? Right, no, he's going to use those nunchucks. And for oh, here, this is one where they're fighting underwater. Oh, this yes. is where they're fighting on top of a tower, right? Yeah. Like and I will yeah. say something they try to do here is like there is a bit of emotional connection for the fight scene in which Yen just prior to this, like part of the reason she's frustrated is because like she wanted to start a family. Mm, and yeah. so then coming into a room where there's a baby, like right after that sort of like emotional uh, exchange happened, like I think adds a little bit, like I think there's a shot where like she kind of looks lovingly on the child, like, you know, like, Oh, this could be my own. And like to have that then in the room when somebody enters and then it just becomes like the fun thing she's kicking around and pushing around. And like, I just, it's like those novelties are part of the delight for me of like a really well done John wick fight scene because it's like well what are they going to do with x like yeah. they've clearly forced x into the situation by design and then finding right novel ways for it to be manipulated a- around the room is is really good. and then like i mean ends with one of the the killing in john wick is not particularly it's gratuitous but not gory right like it's mm-hmm. it's more spectacle it's not like arms falling off and blood splurting everywhere yeah, it's balletic like, it's balletic yes right? it's, it's balletic like, and yeah. like i don't know if i would describe uh balletic <laughs> to be there is a lot of balletic 
elements yeah. to even this scene as she's like bouncing around the the kitchen, but then gets that guy to shove his hand into like uh, 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 a uh, a garbage disposal and yeah. just grinds him to dust, and then ends up taking a uh, like what is she? She grabs something and just like jams it into the back uh, mm-hmm. of his head. Um, it's a great, it's a great scene. It's a great setup. Um, and, and I think like, that's, it's my worry for the show for other folks is like, if, if the dramatic stuff doesn't connect for you, I think part of what David and I want you to take away from the show is that if you're like already signed up for Peacock and like, for some reason, these characters don't do anything for you. Like it's still worth like, like checking out like the incredible, like Corey, like it's not just, it's good for TV standards, yeah. but also just good and entertaining to watch um like regardless of how these characters uh, end up landing for you absolutely absolutely well speaking of the cast patrick you know uh we do just need to mention momentarily the mel gibson of it, uh mm. mel gibson of it all kind of a uh what is it, unforced error to include mel gibson in your show i think right what like what was the point of this this is the thing that's so weird about mel gibson I, or some people might say, unfortunately not weird, is the dude did a, did and said a bunch of terrible things and was kind of canceled and then basically has just kind of come back. Uh, I guess like a lot of filmmakers have just decided, hey, it's totally cool to have Mel Gibson in your movie now, right? Uh, have you read this quote from one of the producers on the show? Tell me. Asked? Okay. Hit me. So um, this is from TV Line. Um, talk to... Uh, Da, da, da. I want to get the full name of the the EP um, is Albert Hughes, uh, mm-hmm. who's the executive producer on the show and also directed the first and third uh, episodes. Um, he says, uh, by the way, Albert Hughes, extremely talented um, director, you know, uh, one of one of the Hughes brothers. And they have made films like Book of Eli, Menace to Society, Dead Presidents. Um, so like really good pedigree. That's really great. Makes these quotes a little more unfortunate then. Um, uh, he, he, um, he, Hughes says, quote, the personal life stuff, that's not my place to get into when casting a role. Quote, I was more focused on what I grew up watching. These very passionate performances from Lethal Weapon, my favorite movie, Road Warrior. He has this quality that I find in other actors. And this is a real curveball, uh, David. He has this quality I find in other actors. Shia LaBeouf has it. Tom Cruise has it. Tom Hardy has it where when I watch the roles, I believe them. Here's another curveball right back to the Shia LaBeouf stuff. Yeah. Like I can see Shia LaBeouf in transformers and be like, he's buying into that world. And that's what Mel has. I'm just trying to do my job and appreciate a person who knows what he's doing in front of the camera and behind it. And it's just, I'm just rubbing like it's their quote is hysterical and weird for all sorts of reasons. But the idea that, I saw Mr. LaBeouf in Transformers and said, <laughs> I buy it is like almost, I have to be, okay. I'm not trying to dismiss any anti-Semitism. Like, sometimes you hear a quote and it may, like I, I had a great deal of respect for Albert Hughes before <laughs> this episode. And then like you hear a quote and I'm like, should I have, like, do I need to like re, do I need to reconsider? Like, you know, the guy, this guy made the book of Eli and it's just like, what a talented mm-hmm. guy. And then now I'm like, Really? You know, no. Shia well, unfortunately, he's probably just old, right? Like, I think is, like, I don't know how old he is, but like, strikes me as someone in their 60s or something like that. And I don't know. That's just what people like that say sometimes. Just odd. Odd um, is a, a, a generous way of putting it. But it's, you know, I my guess is, you know, Cormac becomes a more vital character in episodes two and three. I have to assume that's the case. Otherwise this kind of like stunt casting, like why, why just why create the distraction right for your, for yourself um, is just, I, I mean, I, he's fine. Like putting all aside, he's fine. I think it's fair to say for somebody of Mel Gibson's past, uh, there is pretty much no justification in my opinion for hiring yeah. him. He, he's expressed extremely anti-Semitic views in the past and obviously has said some very unsavory things. He's been caught on tape saying very unsavory things. Um, so there's there's pretty much no justification for hiring him, period. But if you're going to hire him, it's like, oh, well, maybe he's bringing something to this that no one else can. And I think it's safe to say so far, we haven't seen anything like that, right? Like, No, he's a mustache twirling villain. Exactly. It's like the the best elements of the character in the show 
are what's written on the page as opposed yeah. to something that he's bringing to it. And so, yeah. you know, it really unfortunately sort of reeks of, hey, this is otherwise a show full of like really cool, broadly unknown actors. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I, like I, that was the thing, like every time a new character is introduced, like I have not seen this actor before. And that's, that's cool. Like to, it's part of the, the you know, potential benefits of a franchise is the franchise can do the heavy lifting so that you can bring in different varieties of actors and backgrounds to those worlds. And people will tune in because it's from the world of John wick, as opposed to I'm here because X actor. So at that point, I I do wonder if like Mel Gibson is there because, Hey, we need like something to anchor this. Like it has, Mel Gibson, because Keanu Reeves is not in it, or maybe we'll just right, have a cameo. Right, but they're not even using him in the marketing. You know no. what I'm saying? Like, it's like, no, because, they, because, can't, they, can't, yeah. because they can't. They can't. They because can't. he is a toxic, you know, he, he's, yeah, anyway. I just don't it's, know how it, you, it, it feels like he had something over on someone. It's like, you're going to cast me in the show. Absolutely bizarre. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre that he's in this at all, because, yeah, it's a complete... Uh, it's a complete unforced error and it is, I don't condone it, nor do I understand it. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, I, I will say pretty creative, uh, getting around those continental rules though. Yeah, uh, there's but, a okay, scene. That's, that's writing, you know, like that's yeah, yeah, like, it, agree, it was a clever scene to get that guy to, to, to he's to like, jump. I can't kill you. I cannot kill you, but I can tell you that if you don't jump off this roof, I'm going to kill your whole family. Uh-huh. Which is, it's good. Like, that is what we call uh, he's adhering to the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the mm-hmm, law, Patrick Lepin, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So, okay. Uh, the other, the only other thing I'll say about the the plot of the first episode is I was surprised that we got to the end, like that, uh, what's his name? Um, Frankie was dead by, the, I, I thought we were leading up to like an end of episode three, Frankie death, mm-hmm. right? But it's like, we introduced Frankie, we introduced their whole backstory and then boom, he's dead by the end of the first episode. That was shocking. And it sets Winston up as like the antagonist of uh, of Cormac or whoever the hell else for the rest of the series. And I'm like, how are they going to sustain this for another three hours? I'm very curious. Um, so that was just the only other thing I, I reacted to. But Pat- Patrick, any other reactions or topics you have to episode one of the Continental? Yeah, I'm with you. I just, I felt pretty motivated at the end. I'm curious to see like where it goes. Yeah. I, it's hard for me to imagine where the, three hours is uh from here yeah because it's like okay i see how we got to the revenge arc and now the next episode will be the revenge arc um so we'll see and maybe right. that'll be part right. of the undoing of the show is maybe it should have been a two-hour movie instead right. of uh it's supposed to, it's you know. supposed to be exciting it's what's exciting though patrick is like <laughs> oh there's so much but there's a lot of potential i think there's a lot of potential because there like, is, and I, this, I, this could be like one of the greatest action series ever made or it could be something that no one ever talks about again. You know, like, who knows? Like, <laughs> one or the other. Those are, are, those only are the options. only two choices. Those are the only two choices. Yeah. I, I will so. say uh, one of my favorite parts about the John Wick franchise is the introduction of the, well, as, as Cormac calls it, like, give me a weirdo, which I thought was a very <laughs> funny way of putting it because it is how I feel about every new John Wick uh-huh. film. It's like, all right, show me the new Mortal Kombat character that <laughs> is here. You know what I mean? Like, it really feels like, like the twins reptile like it's just like some like strange or like, or like twisted metal characters like the twisted guy who has, ap- who has tires attached to his arms 100 you know, like. it feels like they come up with these like they tell an art team to go wild with like yeah. ideas and then they work out like how they function fit in the world afterwards and i do think that is i think some of the like fun of this universe and i think this show waits too long to introduce those really fun, fantastic elements, like the adjudicator who clearly seems like a, like is a really cool design, fun performance. We see all of like 90 seconds of this character before they're clearly being held for later episodes. The twins. To, be, really... to be fair, to be fair, we have seen the adjudicator in later John Wick films. So like oh, we have, okay. Yeah, she, was, right. she was the character in John Wick, uh, chapter three Parabellum. She's like a representative of the high table. Right. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So, um, but either way, like I enjoy these like aesthetically wild characters, like the twins who are really Hansel and Gretel are like a really fun introduction. But one of the, I think one of the bummers of the episode is that they're given this really like wild intro, like opening up the 
the hotel door and like <laughs> barely clothed blood everywhere. What's going on in here? And they have a really fun elevator scene. And then they just like shoot with a sniper rifle, like yeah. from another roof. Um, kind of a disappointing rollout I, of, I of those two characters, because that is also one of the things I come for is like, is like what Cormac says, like, give me another weirdo. And like, I hope, I hope we get some more of the weirdos. Um, because if anything, like having these more, you know, John Wick is a is a superhero. Like it, 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 these characters aren't. So how does it? How does this world of essentially hyper stylized, like superheroes, right. clash with just normal folks with guns? Yeah. Um, I, I am interested to see how how all that works, and if we get a little bit more of that in future episodes. Indeed. All right, Patrick Klepek. Any other thoughts on John Wick? I'm looking forward to episode two. Yeah, especially after I, this conversation. And I don't know what's going to happen. Like that, I will say, like that is a novel part about this show. Is like I don't, I didn't know what I was in for. Yeah, when I turned it on, and I still don't really know what I'm in for when I get around to turning on episode two. Which, you know, given the formulaic nature of a lot of TV, um, kind of by design, is kind of a cool place to be. Indeed. Well, uh, we will be covering The Continental in some form over the course of the next couple of weeks, so be sure to keep it tuned in to The Continental and also Decoding TV. Find more episodes of podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of this podcast and of The Continental. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Decoding TV. And also become a paid member. Support this show at decodingtv.com. Get ad-free episodes as well as early access to episodes. Patrick Klepek, you can find his work at Remap Radio, wherever podcasts can be downloaded, and Crossplay.news is where you can subscribe to his newsletter. Patrick Klepek, thanks for the chat today, man. Thank you. And thanks for listening to Decoding TV. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.